Everybody able to see me good? All right. It is a privilege to be here again. Now, I'm not in diapers anymore, but I've got kids in diapers, so they're out in the back in the atrium right now. Today, my topic is the missiology through the eyes of the deaf. Missiology is a study of missions, and many of you first think of the 1040 window when you first hear that word. You think of those in the Muslim world. You think of somewhere else across the globe. You think of a missions trip that might take seven to 10 days where you're focused on seeing a different people group. Or maybe you don't. Maybe you realize that actually here in America, we've got refugees. We've got people of color that need support. We've got people from other cultures coming here that need support. Well, you forgot about the deaf. Deaf people are a people group too. I meet you guys all the time, right? Everywhere I go, I'm surrounded by people that can hear. I have to pull out my phone or my card to gesture if it's time for me to put my card in when I'm at a cashier. Or when I'm flying to another country, I have to figure out how to work with them. You who can speak the same language, you're great, but me, I'm a different people group. And so, with the study of missions, we're included in this. I have been surrounded by this my whole life, and the study of missions my whole life. And as a deaf person, I actually have privilege. Well, in my deaf community, I have privilege. Because I was born to people who were also deaf, I had full access to language from the moment I was born. I had full access to role models. So when I was growing up, I could see what my parents were doing. And I thought, hey, I can do that too. When I graduated with my Bible degree, or my parents graduated with my Bible, their Bible degree rather, I realized that, hey, I could do that too. I had full access to language. I felt normal because I was like you, being able to access that language from the moment I was born. And I say that that's a privilege because what you may not realize is that that's not the norm for deaf people. 90 to 95% of deaf people have parents who can hear that are not deaf like them. And 90% of those parents who can hear don't choose to learn sign language. So you can imagine, they don't have access to language. Maybe by the time they're four or five, they finally go to a school for the deaf and are finally surrounded by people that speak their language, and they pick it up then. And then later in life, they're paired with an interpreter for jobs or for work or for meetings or even their school. But I will tell you, interpreters are not 100% access to language either because interpretation can only get 90 to 95% of the message across. Unfortunately, that's reality. And that's the reality that many deaf children who go to public schools and are paired with an interpreter, K-12, they only get 85% of the message. So 85% of the education that they should. 
Deaf children from a young age are taught to have to piece everything together that they're seeing like a puzzle and try to figure it out on their own. And since 1975, more and more of those children have been put in regular public schools with interpreters because that year, the Individuals with Disabilities Education Act, also known as IDEA, was passed. I, as a person who had deaf parents, I knew my options were wide open. I knew what field I wanted. I knew that I could have access anywhere I went. And I had a safe place where when I'm out in the community and I'm frustrated because people don't understand me, when I'm at home, finally, those people understand me. And I have respite from that. However, those children who grow up with parents who can hear, they don't have that respite. Maybe school is the respite if they're privileged enough to go to a school for the deaf. But parents often don't want to send their children to that school for the deaf because often it's a residential school, which means they're staying in a dorm away from their family. And so they'll put them in a public school. This is known as mainstreaming when they have an interpreter with them all the time. And deaf children don't know any better, so they just take what they're given. Right now, our school for the deaf, they're shrinking because of low enrollment. Parents aren't willing to send their kids there. Unfortunately, also, we're battling the medical model and the view of deafness as pathology, something wrong with them. So they put hearing aids in them, they put cochlear implants in them, and they say, okay, we'll try to get them to be as normal as possible. Whereas if they go around their peers who are like them, they have a shared experience. They have full involvement. And often, if a child at a young age, maybe their parents decide to put a cochlear implant in them, at 18 years old, they take it off because they would rather be who they are than try to be someone that they're not. And we have deaf churches that are put near deaf schools so that they have an opportunity to go to church. However, those schools for the deaf are now shrinking, which means that they're not getting the funding that they need, which means that they're closing. Now our deaf churches are closing too because they don't have that natural pathway. Often, the solution is to put an interpreter in a regular church service and think that that's good access and that is what's needed to reach the deaf. But I will say it's not good enough. We want to impact the world. The Joshua Project talks all about reaching unreached people groups all over the world. And deaf people are all over the world too. If you have an interest in missions, why not start here and now? However, we really need to understand that it's not good to be alone. There's a Bible verse that talks about the fatherless, right? The Bible is all about the fatherless, the orphans and the widows. Often you see that in scripture. And you think that it's parent, uh, orphans mean someone who doesn't have parents. Well, I'll challenge that definition. Consider someone who doesn't have access to talk to their parents. Is that also considered an orphan? I would say it is. 
putting an interpreter into a church service is not the same because when they are done interpreting that sermon, they go back home. Where's the pastoral heart? Where's the discipleship? Where's the growth of spiritual gifts? That is lacking in our hearing churches. And, you know, the regular everyday person may say, I don't know sign language. What should I do then? It's not that difficult. Say hello. Not once. Not one person. Not five people. They need a community. If that deaf person experiences multiple people coming up to them and pouring into them and encouraging them, imagine that's what my whole goal of Emerging Voices is, is to help these young kids through stories in their own language understand the heart of the Bible. We can't just have one person alongside of someone and think that that's enough to get them where they need to be. So we need you to be involved. Introduce yourself to a deaf person. Encourage their spiritual growth like you would every other person that's in your church service. Next, I want to show a verse here from Isaiah 117. It says, Learn to do right. Seek justice. Defend the oppressed. Take up the cause of the fatherless and plead the case of the widow. The law used to require the Israelites in the Old Testament to, when they're done taking grain from the harvest, and maybe some grain is left behind, they were required to leave that so that there was enough for the widows and the orphans. If grapes fell off the vine, or if they were done harvesting and maybe there was a few grapes left on the vine, they were instructed to leave it. And the same thing with the olives. They were instructed to think about and care for and take responsibility for the widows and the orphans. Widows at that time weren't allowed to own land. They had to depend on a husband. Well, when their husband was gone, they didn't have that anymore. Obviously, today's society is a bit different, but this concept and the premise behind it remains the same. Those who lack resources, those who don't have, those who would be considered orphans or fatherless. The Bible tells us that we need to care for them. There are actually three words. The first one is yadam in the Old Testament. It means that a person didn't have parents or they didn't have access or a relationship with parents. It's mentioned 42 times in the Old Testament. And in the New Testament, it's mentioned seven times. However, there's a Greek word instead. And that Greek word is huliothesa. In the epistles of Paul, he talks about the orphanages. He talks about the fatherless. 
and uses orphanos twice when talking about those who have no father. And specifically, talks about those without a father or lacking a guide or a teacher. Wow, isn't that powerful? We need more teachers. We need more deaf teachers. We need more teachers who maybe can hear, but have the heart to community and partner and ally with those that are native. We need more deaf leaders to fully equip Christians. Going back 200 years ago, you may wonder how our deaf community started here in America. Well, a little bit of a history lesson for you. Start with Thomas Hopkins Gallaudet. There happened to be a little girl who was deaf. Her father was a pastor. He realized that his daughter was not getting education that she needed. So what did he do? He took it upon himself to find something, someone that could help. He actually went all the way to France and found a school for the deaf there. He connected with Laurent Clerc and said, hey, we really need you. Please come for three years and teach here in America. Well, Laurent took that mission. He came here. They taught each other. Gallaudet taught English, and Laurent taught French sign language. They learned from one another, and they came to America and established a school for the deaf here. Clark decided after that three years that he liked it enough to stay. He didn't ever go back to France. They established the American School for the Deaf in Connecticut. And that started a domino effect of access. Gallaudet University was born because the son of Thomas Hopkins Gallaudet married Sophia and had children of deaf adults. And then when that child was 16 years old, his father passed away. Yet he saw all throughout his life the steps that his father took, and he followed in those footsteps. He went to Washington, D.C., and decided that he wanted to become a principal. And later, that school became a college, and now officially a university. That college is now called Gallaudet University. At the time, there were eight students that first got their degree. Sure, now thousands of students have gotten their degrees from there. Maybe you could even think that the college is the same size as North Central. However, the impact didn't stop there. We had more missionaries that were burst out of this, more schools that, because the way was already paved, they had a chance. Andrew Foster, even, who was a black man, went from Gallaudet. He knew by age 17, because he had interacted with pastors from Jamaica, they were hearing like you. They were speaking English just like you, maybe. But 
learning alongside those pastors, he had a heart for missions. He decided to start raising money in Canada and throughout the U.S. and went to Africa. He established First School for the Deaf in Africa. African culture doesn't want that same value towards deaf people. They give alms. But in, in Muslim territories, they don't. And so they had to fight to provide this access. So once the first one paved the way, they had some more missionaries and more deaf churches. They set up camps. And finally, there are schools for the deaf now in Africa. But it all started with a hearing father who happened to have a daughter who was deaf. And now, because he saw the need for his deaf daughter, an orphan, if you will, and the pastor who realized the father's goal was to provide access and communication with his daughter, because of that pastoral heart of Gallaudet, access was given. They made a way. They fought for a way to provide that access. They stepped out of their comfort zone, going to a different country, talking with people from a different language, all for that little girl so that she could thrive. Now, remember I talked about mainstreaming schools? or those schools where a deaf person has an interpreter with them all the time, they're everywhere here in America. There might be families that don't live near a deaf school. However, there are deaf communities throughout the country you know, if you ever meet someone who is deaf and they are not connected to a community, you could help reach out. You could find out where the deaf school is and you could find out where those communities are. I want to move on to the next verse in Matthew. There we go. Matthew eleven five. So remember before I talked about the law of the Israelites and what they had to follow. Now this is the teaching of Jesus. He said, the blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cleansed, and the deaf can heal. This is to be proclaimed to the poor. This good news is to be proclaimed. And you might be thinking, well, why don't we focus on the healing part of this? It says the deaf will he hear. Yes, healing is a good thing. And we don't have a reason for why God doesn't heal every person. God knows their needs. He knows how people can proclaim the good news so we need to focus on the here and now and follow God's plan, not ours. We can't assume we know better than God 
and say, well, if God doesn't heal them, then we can't do anything. No, if he doesn't heal them, then there's a purpose for it. The law commanded us to continue to take care of the widows and the orphans. And we have a responsibility. Those people are not defiled. We can focus on them. We can take care of them. And it's clear from Jesus' teachings that that's what he wants us to do. So, we know that the Israelites had a responsibility to take care of the poor. We knew that in Matthew, Jesus taught about it. So what now? Well, if you see a person who is deaf, you see someone who's got a hearing aid on or a cochlear implant in, you can ask, hey, do you mind if I sit with you? It's okay if it feels a little awkward. Maybe you won't know what they need, and maybe you won't know how to communicate, but maybe you can pull out a piece of paper or a pencil. You don't know if that person has felt alone all of their life. Your simple step of sitting next to them can make a huge difference to them feeling like they're a part of a community. You can take it up on yourself. You just learned this song, Champ Jesus, right? You just learned how to sign it. This is great. Learn ASL, because someday you'll run into somebody who is deaf, and you can share some good news. So, today... I'm talking, and I'm preaching to you guys, and maybe you're wondering what the personal application is for myself and why I'm here. I do teach at the University of Nebraska in Omaha, and I'm swallowing my own message here because I had a deaf, I am deaf, but I had a blind student actually take my ASL class. Well, they were blind, but they didn't know ASL. They were blind. They didn't know what we call tactile sign language yet, which is hand over hand for people that are deafblind. And so we had to figure out accommodations to make sure that we had one of the best interpreters for them so that they had access to learning the language. Just because a person can't see or just because a person can't hear doesn't mean they can't learn. So this was my own personal application of the message that I'm preaching to you today of how I was able to reach out and work with that blind person. We got an interpreter. They're able to go through the instructions with them. But before we pulled in an interpreter, we realized that we needed both an interpreter who was deaf and an interpreter who could hear. We realized that someone needed to be more focused on teaching the language, and one person needed to explain what was going on visually. And our textbook didn't have any audio description. It didn't have any narration. And you know, oftentimes in universities, if access isn't readily available, they'll tell you to wait a semester while they figure it out. I had that experience all growing up. So I didn't want to provide that answer to that blind student. 
I wanted to figure it out here and now so they could have access. My PowerPoints were not accessible, right? There is no auditory description built into my PowerPoints. Our labs were often five students to one mentor. Hmm. All of these had to be adapted so that this blind person could succeed in my class. They needed additional support, but that was worth it in the end. And now they're asking if they can invite other blind students. Wow. Isn't that a perfect example of how we can spread the gospel? When we decide that one person is worth it, they feel seen and they feel welcome. And because of that, they decide that they want to welcome others. Today I want to close with James 1.27. It says, Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after the widows and the orphans in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. That means to keep yourself pure, right? What a big responsibility that is. Jesus often went and talked with the Pharisees, right? Well, going into deep with one of those situations, the Pharisees challenged Jesus and asked why he didn't wash his hands. And his response was that, you know, you may wash the outside, but the inside is filthy. Jesus reprimanded them because they weren't following the law. They were only following what they wanted to in the law, thinking of bodily cleanse, cleanness instead of spiritual and heart cleanliness. God calls us to love him with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. So with that, let's close in prayer. Father, we thank you for this message about the fatherless. We recognize that there are some that truly don't have a father or that have no access to a father-like figure. Lord, we ask not just that you would send another deaf person to them. God, show us how you want us to connect with them, how you want us to connect them to you. Thank you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. And now I am not sure who's going to follow me up today. President Hagen? Okay.